Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, this is Miranda Wright, and this is day 38 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today we're going to pray that we might know the times and the seasons and the reasons for the seasons that we might not miss our time of visitation. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. The written word of God is our discernment, it it is our guide, it is our direction. And it gives us instruction in every circumstance and situation of our lives. But to know what currently applies, we have to be willing to humble ourselves and seek the Lord that we might know the times and the seasons. I think that one of the most dangerous things for a Christian is to get stuck in routine because God likes to change things to keep the faithful seeking. As soon as you think you know the steps to the dance, he's going to change it because he doesn't want you taking the lead. He's always doing things the way we least expect. And if we get stuck in routine or think that we can do everything the way we did it yesterday, we will very easily be led astray and move into ritual and away from faith. This is why most of the Pharisees missed Jesus the first time that he came. And it's why most of the church will miss him the second time that he comes. Most of the Jews missed Jesus the first time that he came because they were expecting a lion, but he came as a lamb. And most of the church is going to miss him when he returns because they're expecting a lamb, but he's coming as a lion. Church, you've got to be willing to lay down your thoughts, your ideas, and your plans and seek him in order to know the times and the seasons that you are in or you will miss the time of your visitation. In Matthew 16 verse 1, we see when this happened to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It says, And the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven, trying to provoke Christ, God in the flesh, to perform for them, to prove himself to them. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, It will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. You see, God knew that they knew the word. They had the word. You see, God is more than willing to send miracles to validate his message to those who have not heard so that the seed of faith might be planted in them. This this is why we see it very much in evangelism. But for those of the church who have the word and have had plenty opportunity to become learned in the word and have faith in what the Lord has already spoken, he will not perform to prove what has already been proven. The signs are for the world. The signs are for the lost. The signs are for the unbelieving. The word is for the church. 
So to this, he tells them, you will have no son, but that of the prophet Jonah, the word of the Lord from a prophet crying, repent, repent for the king is coming to bring judgment upon the wicked and you will all likewise perish except ye repent. Jonah was sent to Nineveh with a word from the Lord. They had to take it or leave it. Repent and cry out to the Lord for mercy or perish because the king was coming and judgment was at hand. And in the same manner, Christ came to stay our judgment. The king came because judgment was at hand. And the sign that was given unto the Pharisees, unto the church, was that of the words of John the Baptist, that man who Christ himself said was the greatest prophet the world had ever known, though he did no miracle, but yet in the face of all opposition he stood and was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, repent, repent, make your crooked way straight and prepare ye the way of the Lord, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And in the like manner so will it be in the end, at the return of the coming of the Son of Man, when Christ comes to bust open that eastern sky and all judgment is brought down upon the ungodly and the wicked and the unbelieving, it will be preceded by the voice of two prophets crying out, repent, repent, for the king is coming with judgment in his hand and wrath will be poured out over all the land, but he is extending mercy. The prophets will preach it, but the only ones who will believe it are those who have sought the Lord to know the times and the seasons. You see, the problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that they trusted in their own understanding of the word. Therefore, they rejected the word when it changed form. They trusted in their logic. They trusted in their desires. They wanted a show. They wanted God to perform for them. His word wasn't enough. They had more faith in signs than in his word. They trusted in the leading of their own feelings. The Bible says that for envy, they offered Christ up to be crucified. Though they knew there was no fault in this man, in that every word that he spoke drove people to righteousness, healed people and delivered people and brought them into right standing with God, that everything that he preached was in alignment with the word of God, yet still they rose up against him because of envy. They trusted in their feelings instead of seeking the Lord for what was the will of the Lord. And because of it, they missed their time of visitation. Revival was standing right in front of them and they missed it because they would not humble themselves and seek God that he might reveal to them the time and the season that they were in, that things were not now as they had always been. And so Jesus went out to a little fishing town and found a group of people with less faith in themselves so that they could have faith in God. I tell you, my friends, search your heart because the Holy Spirit cannot fill you if you are already full of yourself. Be emptied out. Jesus needed a people that would seek God so that he could reveal his will to them, that they might know the time and the season that they were in and not miss their time of visitation because you see they were in a Kairos moment. In the Greek, there were two words for time. It was chronos and kairos. 
our regular linear time that we go through day by day was considered chronos but then there was a different measure of time a time that stood out of time that seemed different from all other time a time when things were ready to shift this was a kairos moment and this time was one of those times that god stepped into time and they had to respond in time to the moment that god was moving in and recognize that they were born for such a time as this. But you see, we can miss that time. We can miss that moment. We can miss our kairos. We can miss our visitation. We can miss our purpose, our destiny. Because you see, the word of the Lord came to Esther through Mordecai. And he told her, Esther, you were born for such a time as this. You have been called, commissioned, and positioned for this purpose. But if you keep silent now, then deliverance will come to the Jews, but you and your father's house will be destroyed. In other words, God's will will be done, but you can miss your moment in it. This Kairos has come and it demands a response, but you can miss your place in it. And the mantle will be passed to someone else who is willing to seek him, to trust him, to get his word and to fulfill it. So my friends, it is important not to get stuck in routine, but to seek the Lord that we might understand the times and the seasons that we are in. Because not only can we miss when he's telling us to go, but so can we also get ahead of God. So we need to know the season and the reason for the season that we are in. We need an Issachar anointing. You see, there was a tribe of people in the Old Testament they were called the sons of Issachar. And the Bible says that it was given unto them to know the times and the seasons. It was a special anointing placed upon this people. They spent their time in the word of God, seeking the face of God, getting the instruction and direction of God so that they never missed the will of God. And in times throughout Israel's history when seasons were changing and things were not as they had formerly been and some people were stuck in routines and the way that things had previously been and there was opposition to what the Lord was doing, the sons of Issachar were always found on the right side of history. When God made the prophetess Deborah judge over Israel and she began to lead a military campaign against the enemy to reclaim the territories for God, some of the tribes would not go to help her. They were not in agreement with her. They would not follow her. But yet the sons of Issachar did because they knew the times and the seasons that God had anointed her and appointed her for this fight for such a time as this. At the time when David began to come into power and there was a split in the kingdom and opposition that some were siding with the house of Saul and some were siding with the house of David, only the tribe of Issachar 100% entirely supported David because they had sought the Lord and they knew the times and the seasons that Saul's kingdom was ending and David's was beginning so that not one of them was found to fight against the will of God but fought for it. My friend, the church needs an Issachar anointing again because so many are moving in blind repetition that they're going to miss the time of their visitation. My friend, very many people, I think, miss their destiny with God. And Esther's warning makes the possibility and probability of that very clear. So I'm going to teach you just a little bit before we pray about the seasons, the reasons, and how to know which one that you are in. But I don't have the time to go in depth and to really teach you this like I would like to. 
So as I have before, I will provide a link to a full in-depth study on how to know your season in the video description of this podcast. I highly recommend that you go and you listen to the entirety of the lesson and learn how to discern the times and the seasons. We've talked a bit before about Elijah and how he got this word from the Lord and was faithful to go before King Ahab and Queen Jezebel and deliver this bold rebuke. He stood in the palace. He delivered the word of the Lord when all of the prophets were hiding because they were being hunted and killed by Jezebel. She was replacing them with the prophets of Baal that the children of God were now worshiping under the priest of hell. And here comes this mighty man of God who is willing to speak forth the truth, the word of the living God to rebuke them, to shut up the reins, to move in miracle working power. And as soon as he finishes delivering the word of the Lord, we might think, oh wow, God is going to use him so mightily. He's going to get a huge following, a great congregation. People are going to worship him. He's going to have a mega ministry now because he was faithful and used so mightily by God. But Elijah sought the Lord and the Lord said, go hide thyself by the brook Cherith, which is before the Jordan. Leave this palace, go to the wilderness, sit in a cave by a river. I will send birds to bring you manna, meat from heaven, and you will drink of the waters of the brook and you will stay there until I bid you move. And so Elijah, being a humble servant of the Lord, having sought the Lord and heard the word of the Lord, moved in faith and went hid himself. And he stayed there for quite a season. But my friend, there is a reason. God will move you into something. He will show you something. He will give you a vision and a mission. But then he will say, go hide thyself. Because what he did in the first was to plant a seed of faith that would bear fruit in the last. But in between, there is a season of hiding and dying and growing before the going. Because it was in that time that he sat by the brook in that cave season that he grew more and more dependent upon the Lord, that God began to cut things away from him. It was a seed of faith planted, but that seed had to grow and branch out into different areas. Because you see, my friend, the brook Kareth, the name Kareth means the place of cutting away. And the Jordan, he needed to cross over that Jordan. The Jordan is the place of crossing over because the Jordan is what you must cross over before you move into the promised land, that barrier. And you will never make it through that barrier unless you have first spent your time at the Cherith, getting things cut away. It's the place of circumcision where our pride and our self-will and our self-dependence is pruned. Because the cave is the place that we learn how to communicate with the Lord, to hear from him. And the birds that brought him his meat every day represents him coming to that place where he was learning that God would provide, that he could depend completely on the provision of the Lord, that he never be tempted to have to compromise, that he might obtain the resources of man, of mammon, or of the land. You see, my friend, you have to spend your time at the brook, Cherith. You've got to let him cut things away. You have to let him teach you that he can feed you, that you can get that revelation straight from the hand of God himself, that he will send a word by the power of the Holy Spirit on time and in season. You don't have to go to lazypreachers.com and get a sermon to refeed people old stale rotten manna that somebody collected two years ago. You don't have to yoke up with ungodly organizations. 
You don't have to agree with sin in the midst of your congregation. You don't have to pull from the teachings of men, their colleges or denominations. You don't need dirty program money that comes with strings meant to silence the truth that the Holy Spirit wants to bring, but now you can't speak it or the mammon's cut off. Because you've spent your time at the brook, drinking from the flowing of the river of God, being fed manna from heaven by his own hand, that you know I can depend on my God to provide. I will not compromise. And God will keep you in that place of hiding until he knows that those lessons have been learned, that your faith has been grown, that it has been branched out into different areas that were far grander than the seed that he originally planted back in the palace. And you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt when it is time to go, when the flow of the river changes. Because you see that river, it represents the words of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, we're told about the river of God flowing out of the temple, again in the book of Revelations, and we understand that that was the point at which Christ's crucifixion released the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, out of the temple of God, that it began to flow out into all the world. And so we look at this brook and we have to understand that the flowing of it is represented in the flowing of the Holy Spirit and the words that he brings, that circumcision, that washing of the water of the word of the living God that cuts away the things of the world. That is our sanctification because we are sanctified by the word of God, by abiding by the river and letting it cut those things in us away before we go over the Jordan. Because on the other side of the Jordan, there's a mighty work to do. And you will be fully equipped to do it in all assurance of victory if you have been faithful to go hide thyself in faithfulness and obedience. But if you get ahead of God and just rush over, you're going to be killed because, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But there's a lot of bulls and bees you're going to have to get through before you ever see that milk and honey. So you better be prepared for what you're going to find there. You see, he knew it was time to move, that God was changing his word from go hide thyself to go when the flow of the river changed. In the story, it says that the river began to dry up and therefore God spoke to him and said, now go, I have provided another place for you. And I can tell you, my friend, that when I have been faithful to sit in that season of learning and stripping and growing and branching out and becoming dependent upon the Lord, and I sought him every time an opportunity arose, I stopped and sought the Lord to say, should I stay or should I go? And he always said, no, wait, go hide thyself because there were things that I still didn't know. But when the flow of the river began to change and his word and his message began to say go. His word and his message began to say let your light shine. His word and his message said that I've called you to be an influence. His word and his message, the flow of the river. And so then I began to seek him and said, Lord, the river is changing. 
Though there was no physical sign that anything was changing in the physical or that any doors were going to be opened, but because I could tell that the flow of the river was changing, I knew the season was changing before I could see it. You see, Jesus said, I will give you no sign. You won't be able to see it, but I will give you the sign of the prophet Jonah, a word from the Lord that you have to take by faith and get ready for the moment that is about to take place. And so in doing so, I began to seek the Lord and say, God, are you telling me to go forth? Are you changing the season? And then he began to give instruction. The last time this happens to me was actually when I taught the lesson. So you will hear if you listen to the entirety of the full lesson, when I began to tell the members of my congregation that God was changing the direction and that he would soon be sending me out. But I told them at the time, though we see nothing, I am telling you what the changing of the flow of the Spirit of God is showing me. And sure enough, within a matter of weeks, he began to open the door to send me out to minister in Baton Rouge. And even the podcast that we're doing now is part of the fulfillment of that word. But I'm telling you that you will know only by the word of God. This again is why it's so important to learn how to seek and hear for yourself. It's that time at the chair that you learn how to hear because my friend, if we're not clearly hearing, if we can't draw from that river readily, then we don't need to be going over the Jordan. We're getting ahead of God because until the cherith has done its work, that river of God, that Holy Spirit, he won't bring us into battle blindly and ill-equipped because we'll only make a mess of it. So understand the seasons and the reasons and seek the Lord. I wish I had time to really teach you this. Again, just go to the link in the video description. I can take you more in depth. But the Lord began to show me a pattern of season that we go through spiritually. And to give you just an overview glimpse of it, I'll take you to Leviticus chapter 19, 23. This was instruction to the Israelites when they were coming into the promised land. And he was telling them how to plant their trees because that seed of faith was planted in Elijah. And then God positioned him by the brook that he might grow and strengthen and branch out and become like a tree planted by the water. And so we are called to be in same manner trees planted by the water whose roots go down deep and draw from the waters of that river that when drought comes, and nobody is preaching truth, we can still receive truth from the flow of the river itself, directly from the Holy Spirit. When there is no resource available without compromise, that we can reach out our branches and trust that the Lord will send manna from heaven. And so we read, And when ye shall come into the land, and shall have planted all manner of tree for food, then ye shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised, Three years shall it be uncircumcised unto you. It shall not be eaten of, but in the fourth year, all the fruit thereof shall be holy to praise the Lord withal. And in the fifth year shall ye eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof, for I am the Lord your God. And so what I began to see here was the same pattern of the brook Cherith, but laid out more clearly in things that I experienced within my own life. And this brought great revelation. And I think it will help you to understand the reasons for the seasons that he brings us through that we not be so impatient in what he's trying to do. 
You see that it says for the first three years when this tree is planted by the water that you cannot eat the fruit. In fact, it says as soon as it begins to produce fruit, pluck it off because the fruit is un circumcised. And my friend, I've told you before how we see this biblical principle of three years of discipleship. Jesus taught his disciples personally for three years. Paul, when he was saved on the road for Damascus, said that he went and sat alone with God and let Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit of the living God, teach him personally for three years. And I've always noticed that when God took me through seasons of learning and growing and discipleship and things he was going to move me into, it was usually cycles of three years and being raised in church, third generation minister, that my father is a pastor, my grandfather was a pastor, my husband is a pastor. And so I've seen this cycle in church where God will bring people in and he will give them about a three year period of discipleship. And you will see that if they do not begin to produce fruit within that three years, then they will eventually leave the vineyard and be replaced. But within that three years, it's a period of learning and growing. But the fruit that is produced is not to be eaten because it is uncircumcised. So then I tell you, my friend, that within that first three years, we should not be looking for a stage or a platform thinking that we have something to feed others because the fruit is uncircumcised. It's still fleshly. And though we love the Lord and though we're trying with all of our heart and though we're doing what we think is right, we have not spent that time at the brook Cherith to have all of that flesh cut away, to be circumcised of heart so that the fruit that we produce is uncircumcised. It is mingled with the flesh. Stop trying to gain position and platform and pulpit and notoriety. Go hide thyself and be taught of the Lord. And if you do it right, it will only take three years. If you do it wrong, it can take 30 years. We see that principle with the Israelites in the wilderness. They could have gotten to the promised land in 12 weeks, but instead they wandered aimlessly in the wilderness for 40 years because they would not humble themselves to the Lord to sit down, receive his instruction and obey it. Go hide thyself. Learn how to hear what he's saying and start obeying. If you do it right, it will last only three years. And then in the fourth year, he will allow you to begin to produce some fruit. But this fruit is holy and set apart unto the Lord. Now, from an agricultural standpoint, this is where the strength of the tree is beginning to be tested. So they will allow the tree to begin to put on fruit and the branches of the tree are watched for weaknesses. Will they bend or break under the weight of the fruit that they are beginning to produce? And then the fruit is plucked off and given unto the Lord. So in this season is a season that we need to begin serving in the unseen that we minister unto the Lord, that we minister with no desire or expectation for reward, but that everything we do is given to the king while he examines to see if there's any weaknesses in the branch, if we will bend or break under the weight of the fruit that we are beginning to produce. I think this season is one that many people end up repeating because if it's done right and there is strength and no breakage, then in the fifth season, the husbandman can declare harvest and you are able to begin to eat of the fruit of your labors. However, if there is breakage in the fourth season, if when that tree first begins to put on fruit, the weight of it causes branches to break or the tree to begin to split, the weakness of the tree is discovered. So does he pull all of the fruit off and the tree is pruned back. Its wounds are mended. 
and the tree is given time to heal and strengthen in those areas. And then the next time that season comes around, the husbandman will try again. Now, my friend, I need you to understand that if a person runs ahead of God and skips these seasons, they are moving at great risk to both themselves, others around them, and the very name of God. Many bring shame and reproach upon the name of God because that they have moved out when they were not strong enough to bear the weight of the fruit that God had planned for them to produce. And so you see them breaking under the weight. They didn't take time for the Lord to begin to expose a weak area. And they fall to temptation. They fall to lust. They fall to pride or to vainglory. They fall to compromise. To false doctrine. They didn't allow the Lord to expose the weak parts. And work to strengthen it. My friend, have patience to wait upon the Lord. He has a reason for the season that you are in. But be willing to seek him. So that you can know. When it's time to hide, when it's time to grow, and when it's time to go. God, we come before you and we ask you humbly. Lord, we seek your face. I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would begin to seek you to know exactly the time and the season that they are in. If it's time to grow, if it's time to hide, if it's time to die, because some of us just need to die. That seed has not even truly been planted yet. Some are trying to produce fruit when they've not even been planted. And some have gotten stuck in the routine and gotten comfortable around the brook Cherith when God has called them to move out. Therefore, has the river dried up and they're trying to survive on old rotten manna. God, I pray for a people who will seek your face for a bride that will abide, that will stay by the riverside and continually draw from those deep wells of living water. God, make us a tree planted by the water whose roots go down deep that when the storms come, we shall not be moved. We shall not be shaken. When the waters overrun us, we will stand firm. We will be a shelter to all those who are in need. We will be a source of strength and of faith because that we have bent the knee and sought your face to see what is the time and the season that we are in. God, tell us, are you saying wait? Are you saying go hide yourself? Are you saying to let things be stripped away? Are you saying that there is still too much self? Are you saying that there are things that you want to grow us in and branch our faith out in first? Or are you saying that it is time to step out and cross the Jordan? God, we will know it beyond a shadow of a doubt because that the flow of the river of God will change even before we see it. We will not have to look towards signs and wonders, but we will already know. And when they show, it will confirm because by the time we see it, it's too late to be part of it. Because God, you are saying that it is time to get into position because a mighty wave is coming, a moving of your spirit. And by the time the people see it, it's going to be too late to catch it. And those that try are going to be toppled over by it. But those who have gotten on their face and sought the Lord to get into position to spend their time at the brook Cherith so that when the Kairos comes and you say 
they go, we can step foot in that river Jordan and know that the power of the living God will split it and we will walk through and prove that we have heard from you with no vestige of turning back, with no fear of what we lack, but we will trust in the words of our king because that we have become accustomed to him bringing us the word, that manna from heaven, that flowing of the brook, that meat from the master's hand. God, I pray that you cause us to know the times in this season. I pray for a people that will stop and will pray, that will wait until they have heard a word from heaven, that will not act or do anything, no matter how minute it might seem, until they have first sought your face to see what it is that you are saying that they might not miss the time of their visitation because that they trusted more in their own logic or understanding, in the traditions of men, in the things they had been raised up in, in the things that they read and thought they could understand without the direct revelation of the Holy Spirit of the living God, without seeking your face to see the application because to everything there is a time and a season and a reason for the season. But until we have humbled ourselves and sought your face, we cannot assume to know it. Therefore, can we never assume to walk in it? We will miss the Kairos. God, you always move in the unexpected. Therefore, I will not expect that I can anticipate your actions. To even assume the ability to do so is the height of pride and arrogance. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You are omnipotent and omnipresent. You are the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. You hold galaxies in your hands and yet you bottle my tears. Your love removes mountains and cast out my fears. I will come before you and adore you and worship you and wait upon the Lord. I will not go before you. Because you are God and I am not. And I will not move until I know that first you have gone before me. I will sit and wait on you. And when you tell me to go, I will do what you tell me to do. No more and no less. I have no one to impress but my king. And nothing impresses our God but faith. And we cannot have faith except that we have heard. So learn to seek his face. Oh God, show us the time and the season that we are in. God, I pray that not one person listening to me would move out in their own strength and be broken before men under the weight of their own fruit because they did not take their time in the fourth season to be tested and pruned and mended and strengthened by you in their areas of weakness. My friend, we don't even know the areas of our weaknesses until that we have spent that time letting the Lord point them out to us, testing the fruits. Have you ever wondered why sometimes God will give you a promise and then he'll take you right to the edge of it and you will think, oh, this is the fulfillment of it. And then he pulls you back and you'll go through that cycle a few times. But every time you do, he begins to reveal to you things that would have destroyed you had he not pulled you back. 
He is strengthening you. He is showing you the areas of weakness. And those were never the fulfillment of the promise that he had spoken to you. You were still in the fourth season. He was preparing you for promise. Have patience and let him show you the things that would destroy you. Because my friends, you see those branches that break on the tree in the early stages, they can be mended. They can be healed. They can be strengthened. But if you don't go through that season and the tree breaks in later years, because of the size and weight of the tree, it will kill the tree. It will split the tree. It will not be able to recover. My friend, let him break you in the unseen before you rush out on a stage and get broken before men where you cannot recover your reputation because that you have brought shame and reproach upon the name of your king. Do not rush out of your season. God, I pray for patience in your people and strength and understanding and revelation in those seasons of waiting. God, I know how hard they are. But Lord, I pray that you would impart understanding that they would know that there is a reason for the waiting. But God, for those who you are beginning to call out, I also pray for revelation that they not be stuck in old mindsets, that they not become comfortable and settle in the wilderness when it's time to cross over, but that they would have faith to jump in the Jordan and know that you will make a way where there is no way. Lord, I know that of those listening today, there are many that are in different seasons of their life. I pray that they will humble themselves and seek you and have patience and have faith where they are because you want strong, mature sons and daughters. Enough with this impatient right now. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you won't give it to me. I'll settle for a counterfeit because I'm used to getting things my way right away. God, I pray for a people who will humble themselves before the King and his wisdom and know that what he will bring is greater than anything that the enemy is offering. There are enough Janus and Jambers out there. There are enough of the magicians of Egypt. There are enough Pharisees and Sadducees. God, we want to see the real thing. Give us a people who will believe, who will seek your face and be obedient even when you say wait. Because that's never what we want to hear you say. But God, your wisdom is perfect. And those who come to God must first recognize that you are God. And recognize that you know better. You are perfect. You are wiser. You are smarter. You are more able. You know what you are doing. And you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Therefore, should we be seeking you for what we ought be doing? Because your way is better than our way. It's higher than our way. It's the only way. Any other way is going astray. There is a straight and narrow path and few are they that find it. Why are they so few? You tell us just a few verses down. Because you said that the other path is wide and many are the ones that walk thereon. And then you continue to say that that same many are the ones that will come before you on the day of judgment and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many wonderful works? And you will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Not those who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my father. Therefore, did you make it very plain and very clear that the many that were on the wide road were the very same many that thought they were serving you but were not because they were walking in their own understanding, their own logic, their own feelings, their own 
will. But the narrow path, that straight and narrow path is the will of God. And the few that found it were the few that humbled themselves to walk therein. Therefore, only those who do the will of the Father will enter in through the gates of life. God, we want to do it right. God, we don't want to bring shame and reproach upon your name. We don't want to walk in the envy or the arrogance of the Pharisees that says, I know what I'm reading. I know what it means. I know the time and the season. I know what I'm doing. And yet they stood in the very face of revival itself and did not know him. They had all the knowledge and resources of man. They knew all the workings of the sky and the land, but they did not understand that the king had already entered in and they were missing it. Because they would not humble themselves to seek the Lord. Is this the moment that you were born for? Are you going to miss it because of what you trust more? Is Kairos passing you by? I'm reminded of the story of when Jesus arrived. And a blind man heard the commotion and he said, what is this that I hear? A blind man, a lame man, a beggar, the least of these. A blind man could see what the Pharisees could not see. He heard the commotion and he said, what is this? And they said, it is Jesus, the son of David. And he began to cry out with all of his heart. Oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they tried to silence him and the whole crowd tried to make him shut up. But the word of God says that he cried all the louder and said, do not pass me by. And in his cry, Jesus heard it and came to him and opened up his eyes, though his eyes were already opened because he knew that the king of glory had entered in when all the Pharisees and Sadducees had missed it because of their pride and their arrogance and their pomp. And they were not desperate enough to need it. So they ignored it. They persecuted. They were jealous of it. They envied it and they did everything they could to kill it. But the blind man could see it and he chose to believe it. And therefore he became a demonstration of it. That the kingdom of heaven is here now because that the king of glory has come down. Oh God, we don't want to miss our moment of visitation. Do not pass us by. Help us to humble ourselves and seek you that we might know the time and the seasons that we are in because we believe that you are coming. God, break us and make us usable by you. Open our eyes. Oh Jesus, Son of David, do not pass us by. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe. Because I would rather be found with the faith amongst the least of these, having the eyes of my understanding open because that I was willing to bend the knee and humble and seek and cry out for the king than to be found amongst the Pharisees, that having eyes they could not see, and ears they could not hear, and all knowledge and resource and ritual, yet they could not discern the time and the season. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. 
For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.